The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. The podcast today presented by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code KevinDC. They'll double your first deposit dollar for dollar. And they also have an exclusive promotion going on. You can turn $10 into 10000 Weeks 5 through 8, make five picks against the number, get them right, earn points, rise up the standings, and potentially take home $10,000 in a grand prize. And if you needed another reason to head to mybookie.ag, you can celebrate the start of the MLB playoffs, which started last night with a Red Sox win over the Yankees. Doc Walker's L.A. Dodgers going tonight. More on that here in a moment. But MyBookie is hosting, in honor of the MLB playoffs, a $20,000 blackjack tournament that's absolutely free to enter. Winning season's here. Go to MyBookie at MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code KevinDC. If there's something in the promo code uh, area already, erase it. Put KevinDC. They'll double your first deposit. Speaking of one Richard Doc Walker, he is my guest today on this Wednesday podcast. I'm so, so thrilled that you are available to do this. You're always busy. I understand that. Um, I was very happy you answered my call yesterday when I called you to ask you to come on the podcast. Doc, of course, has his own podcast on Patreon, all right, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Doc Walker to find his podcast that he does with our good friend Steve Solomon. Um, thank you for doing this. Honestly, I know you're busy, um, to make time for me. I really appreciate it. I feel honored. Well, I just hope the coolie recovers. Uh, I hope he's not ill for too long, but I do look at the opportunity every time the Chris gets the hangnail, I get an opportunity and, uh, you're my bookie. So it's amazing that you have this sponsorship and I look at you the way you look towards mybookie.com so it's all good man well you know first of all that i didn't have cooley scheduled for today that i called you last week to come on the show and you said you couldn't do it and i said well let's try to do something next week and uh i tried you yesterday and fortunately you were available because you're not always available which is fine i understand that you're very busy but but as it relates to the bookie situation you know i'm not a bookie um however we both have known a lot of bookies in our days yes yeah, we've so. known we've known real guys that have done no, this for my a boy little. BT. Yeah, oh, don't call real. him out by name. 
I didn't do his name. I did his initials. Okay. All um, right. Um, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm 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 relieved. I had to put that game in code red, which is embarrassing. The fourth game of the year, and I'm also I'm at the plane. I thought had they lost, <clears throat> their your whole season would have gone in the toilet. And but they won. They found a way to win. So I'm thrilled because I didn't like me on the air last week because I'm violently. Uh, I I just got a bad attitude when we lose. And uh, I'm trying to brace myself because I thought the four and twelves were behind us, but they're really not. And so every week to me is life or death, and I lived another week. Why would you think the four and twelves are now with the seventeen game schedule? The five and twelves are behind us. Why would you think that? Well, I just thought that even though seven and nine they had a losing record, but they celebrated as if they had won the Rose Bowl, and so. Yeah. And what happened was that that become they were intoxicated all throughout the summer. But we've been punched in the face three weeks in a row, and I kind of think they're responding to it. I see progress. A lot of that has to do with, you know, Heineke and McLaurin making plays. But fundamentally, to me, we're flawed. And so this is Russian roulette, which it has been for the last two decades for us, but I don't want to die this early. Where so are the, I was relieved. Where are the flaws? Well, defensively, we're out of coordination. We're trying to force a square peg into the round hole, which has been two decades of that. So we are defensive back. We took a kid, 29, now he couldn't cover me. And he's a hell of an athlete. So they're thinking and not reacting. They're confused. And it's unsettling because it's a tug of war now going on between staff and players philosophy and actually execution and when that happens even the greatest of athletes lose their speed they lose their coordination and until they fix it we're going to be like shooting ducks for any good quarterback so are you putting the defensive performance through four weeks which has been dismal okay they Mm -hmm. are down near the bottom in almost every statistical category but but you, if, if you've been watching, you don't need to look at any numbers. You know how bad it's no. been. Yeah. Do you put it more on the players or the coaches? Well, it's the, co- it's the player's career. The coaches will be hired. You know this league. You can be garbage and you just recycle. They recycle trash in the NFL. So the players have got to understand once they run out of talent, they're done. They're gone. They'll be, they'll be working at the supermarket if at all. So what they ought to do is understand they got to protect it because it's their career. I mean, no matter what you think about coaches in this league, you know, they'll be fired by another buddy next week. And so this crap just keeps getting recycled. Okay, but who's... But anytime you look at Davis, yeah, I'm just saying, if you look at the two kids, rookies in Dallas, mm-hmm. how in the hell can they hit the ground running? And your rookie, he can't even find how to get to the park. Right. Um, so you feel like the coaches are part of the problem. Uh, specifically, you know, the, like the, fr- from a fan perspective, Doc, and you know this, mm-hmm. and you deal with this yeah. every day and you have for, for a long period of time. 
Like you look at uh, the front four and they're not getting home. They're not getting sacks. You're, you right. know, one of the uh, people that people were talking about a def- as defensive uh, MVP this year, potentially, has zero in four games. Um, yeah. You're not close in coverage. Uh, yeah. And and you say like there's there's a disconnect here disconnect. With, with with something. Um, yeah. How do you fix that after four games? And whose responsibility is it to fix? Or is it players that have to step up and start paying attention to what the coaches are saying? Or do the coaches have to adapt to them and maybe change some things? You know this as a youth coach, as I as a youth coach. We can control those kids because they really want to get to the next level. Mm -hmm. When you're trying to get a millionaire to do something he doesn't believe is in his best interest, you get a stalemate. And so they got to fix it. It's either the player do not trust the, the, their position coach or the coordinator's not paying attention to the kid's lack of mental capacity to retain what he's been taught. It's one or the other. You can't take the two kids in Dallas and look at them hit the ground running and you got a linebacker, which was the easiest thing in the world, just go get the guy with the ball, unless you complicate it for him and make him call the defense or make out play, and they're not capable of doing that yet. And so ego, as you know in this league, it's a stalemate. The assistant that's going to be hired no matter how bad the production is, and the player who's going to be paid no matter how bad his performance is. So that's where we're at right now. That's why it takes people that can get through that can communicate, that can compromise to get the jobs done. You can't flip Dallas's god-awful defense a year ago. One guy, Quinn, who's a communicator, gets the job done, and that, and just like that is fixed because they made a bad hire. Well, they made several bad hires. It's easy to see, and you know it. The problem is we can't prove it. Yeah, but Del Rio's been successful in the past. It's not like we're talking about Joe Barry or Minuski or and I'm not saying that they didn't have some success somewhere along the way, but Del Rio and Rivera have been proven defensive guys in this league. I didn't mention anybody's name. All I'm saying I is that look at the scoreboard. Scoreboard doesn't lie. Yeah. I don't care what you did in the past, they've all been fired. So it's not like anybody they don't have there's nobody has longevity for a reason. You can you can put all the perfume on the pig you want. The bottom line is that people aren't listening and they're not getting results. You telling me twenty nine is that bad? He couldn't cover me right now. He's been no fuller. He fuller but, but he's name. not but you know he can play. Yeah. So what's the disconnect? They're in thought they have a huge they need to have a round table discussion and they're not gonna have it because Again, in my era, the player was desperate for money, was broke, so he had to do this. These people don't. They don't. And it's clear that there's an ego issue, which there always is, when teams aren't flowing. There's no fluidity because there's ego involved. And, and everybody, don't, everybody has their hand in the pile, but they don't all believe. And you know this, and I know you know, but I'm just saying we just we got to do this because what we do. But we've done it so long with different people that it's proven to you. It's like, how do you get older out of a building? Do you have to blow the building completely up and start all over? Or can you put a deodorizer in? 
Or do you have to fumigate the place? What do you do? How do you get it out? <laughs> you got to defumigate the place. We've known that forever. Well, I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. Um, they can hire on all the flipping, all the women, all the black people. Do everything you want to do. The bottom line. What did you say? Do what? The bottom line. What is did that you just a say? Huge, a huge, you heard exactly what I said. I, I actually, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, my brain well, is over. trying to. When you rewind it, when what, you rewind did it. Did you say get rid of black people? No, I didn't say that. I said you can get rid of all the people you want. Oh. And you can hire okay. all the new people thought, and the I, black people and what you want. It doesn't matter. Oh, I see what you're, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, if there's a disconnect mm-hmm. in that, you got a personality problem. You got the three kids from one university, so they all learned the same thing at high production. Well, everybody just say it. Just say it. Say it out loud. The Bosa buyers are getting there. We're in your guy. Our guy is stuck, still running upfield. <laughs> so why? Why? So, I mean, you can't. I, I, I mean, I know when you do the '99 and the, the this guy and the same schools. Chase, yeah, that, we're talking. We're talking about for those that don't know, we're talking about Chase Young. And if they don't know, they're not a fan. The, and to hell with them. I love. I mean, the hell are you keep making this so elementary? I, like you're trying to drag people along. If they don't know who the hell they're cheering for, that's their problem, not mine. One of my favorite things, and that's why that's the reaction that I was waiting for, very predictable, is when Doc j- doesn't go names, and whenever we've been doing things in the past together, I'll say, yeah, Kendall Fuller. And, and typically Doc yeah, will no, immediately, he'll immediately say, you don't think they know who I'm talking about? And I, well, I'm just, I'm just clarifying you know, for, for, for those of you that don't know. Seriously, yeah. what the hell's wrong with Chase Young through four games? Is he just well, thinking you know, too Bob, much? I, here's what I've been taught. Tony mm-hmm. McGee, Charles Mann, all these guys. Rushing the pass is like boxing. you got to set up, set up combinations. He's just jabbing. He has no undercut, no overhand right. He's just doing one thing. And in this league, everybody's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, with long arms. They don't give a damn about him. He's a big thing here because we don't have much. But around the league, are they? They're not doubling him. Not Tampa all the time. That's the that, that is true. Ah, bullshit. Yeah, I know. I You're right. You know, I hear. I, I listen. I know. Oh, people, oh, they're not doing a damn thing. Uh, they, they, him. And a lot one of, guy yeah. on him. Uh, they did in the Buffalo and game for the him most part. Field. Yeah. Even why? Why would you have to double one guy with one trick? Probably he runs upfield, runs out to play. Now he hustles. Why well, I love him. He gives you superior effort, which is, makes it even more glaring that he needs help. <clears throat> Not a lack of effort. It's a lack of technique and execution, which means either he and his position coach hate each other or the coordinator is, has a disconnect with the coach. Either way, it's very simple. It ain't that complicated. Yeah. The Bosa boys are getting to the quarterback. Everybody else gets to you seen T.J. Watt? That's a pass rusher. Miles okay? Garrett. Miles Garrett, we ain't got nobody close to that. The other kid, 90, who I really love, he had a breakthrough. Sweat. He got there. I like 90 Montez, a lot because Sweat, yeah. his upside is the greatest of anybody on their defensive unit in what my about, opinion. What about 94? I mean, 94 is reckless. He has been – just dominant in spurts inside, but not getting there. He's not getting there. But by God, 
he's brutalizing his opponent. You know, same same thing across the board. You know, ninety two, he's the same kind of guy. They brutalize their guy, but they're not in sync with the end. You don't see if you ever watch the Rams, that's fluidity. That's a concert rushing to to the quarterback. Yeah. And they have a guy who just <laughs> he's so much better than everybody else in the world. Ninety nine. It ain't close. Ninety nine. Yeah, ninety nine. He's so much better than everybody in the world. Aaron Donald. But yet we put our people in that category. We can even pay them like that. It don't matter what you do. The results tell it all. Uh, by the way, as we're sitting here, there's some breaking NFL news. Um, boy, the Patriots, they're still the Patriots, man. They just don't the fuck around. They cut, the Ste- they cut Stephon Gilmore today. Yeah. Um, yeah. Stephon Gilmore, yeah. for those who haven't followed the story, I mean, it's truly one of the better corners in the league. Top for, three. For, Top for, three. For a while now. Um, hurt last year, coming back, wanted a new contract, was eligible to come yeah. off the physically unable to perform list after week six. Um, yeah. Was you know uh, he was the he was the, was he the defensive player of the year? He may have been the the defensive player of the been. year a I'm couple not, years I'm not ago. Third. He's not my team. So um, I don't give a damn. But he the, the Patriots can't work out a deal with him. See ya. Uh, he's done. Yeah. They couldn't trade him, I guess, with him, you know, still on the phys- on the pup list and coming off right. uh, the injury. But I would imagine that there will be a bidding war starting today for Stefan Gilmore. And you've already talked about twenty nine. What about twenty three? Yeah. The new one, Jackson. Yeah, yeah, I know. Doesn't matter now. Watch where that kid ends up. Tampa. You can always tell who's really committed <laughs> to winning. Tampa. Yeah, the Ravens, Tampa, Ravens. Seattle. Yeah, you know, Ravens don't really you, need them. Yeah. Well, but don't. But I'm just telling you, they. I, I was I was on Twitter and people asked the question <laughs> about would he end up here. First of all, why would he want to? <laughs> this is not a desirable landing spot because if he's got a brain, he's going to go wherever they give him the best pass rush. Every yeah. DB in the world knows that their best friend is the guys up front. Why would he do it here? Uh, you're going to have to be able to afford him. That's that's going to be probably the issue. So you got to look at the teams that have lots of space. And Washington, yeah. and Washington's yeah. up there. Uh, <laughs> Carolina's up there. D- Denver. Well, they added Darby, and Darby got hurt. Denver could be a spot yeah. for him. But I think you're right. Like you'll see the teams that are truly contenders. Truly contenders. You know that are gonna that are gonna <laughs> figure out a way to add them. You know whether it's Tampa or KC. There you go. You know, yeah, and the, you already know. Why are you even doing this? You know that we have no shot. And and people are gonna be there. They're killing me on Twitter. Say hey. What are we going to do? And I'm going, you guys, we're so unrealistic yeah. because we've been sold a, a bill of crap. And people thinking that, why would anybody want to do that? I mean, no, 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 no. It's not going to happen. They look at your linebacker, it's not going to get any help. And although maybe things pick up due to injury, we're going to be forced to play some new linebackers, which is just amazing to me. We get no results, but yet we don't. We don't play more people. We stick with the people that are failing over and over and over, which is an indication that their backups are worse. But that doesn't mean it's true. 
It doesn't mean it's true. It just means your decision on it mm-hmm. is what we may have to start questioning. Well, I mean, are you? Don't you think you're jumping to conclusions on a guy like Jamin Davis, who's a rookie? Don't you have to? You got to give him more time. You, if just no, because I don't. I don't have to just because he's SEC, and I know what you think of a lot of the SEC players, you got to right. unless g- they put the Vanderbilt. Yeah, I do, no, and Listen, and he didn't. This, you got to give him time. Okay. You got to yeah, give him I don't some have to time. Give him no, I don't. What I do is I judge the selectors. If the guy's low IQ, then you know it. What's your pro- what? What is your process of vetting players? How do you evaluate? Well, we don't know that he's low IQ. I'm no, just, I just said I'm just if, doing the thing you do with the SEC no, no. schools that aren't if, Vanderbilt. If he's low IQ, that means your systems didn't change your system. Yeah, no, don't blame the kid. Blame the teacher. Yeah, I, I agree with That's that. That's my point. But my yeah. point is that you don't get a pass with me talking about your system and you've been with eight different teams in 10 years i don't i don't elevate you to the top of the class and you don't have a winning overall record i don't some of you do i don't is there so i'm looking at this to go i'm looking at this to go really right now we're we're judging the evaluators you picked them you had full autonomy you got the checkbook is this your result so far not good doesn't mean it won't end up good i'm just evaluating it where we are right now, we won a game by the skinny, 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 but it was a road win, which is even more. Well, it wasn't much it's of a road better. crowd, but it's a road win. It's a road win, brother. Yeah. Anytime you can win on the road and you're not very good, it's doubled because you just avoided disaster. And now you got you playing the schizophrenic Saints, which is just as dumb as we are. So you got a chance because their quarterback – could give it to you or kill you, but it's 50-50. Our guys, same way. I love we're gonna, Moxie. We're going to get to him. Okay, that's yeah. going to be a, the big part of the conversation because you and I have been okay. talking about him, not on anybody's podcast, but we're going to get to no, Taylor. we got our own thing. We're going to get yeah. to Taylor Heineke, but I just wanted to make one comment as you got into the draft because yeah, sure. I said sure. this the other day and a bunch of people were like, why don't you go work in Dallas, Sheehan? So I said – Yeah, I heard I, him. I heard I, him. I, I, I I'm said, a regular listener, I know. by the way. I said that, first of all, I think they're very good this year. I mean, we have joked in the past with all of our Cowboy friends about, yeah. you know, them, oh, the, you guys have the best talent. You should win the division. You, yeah. should, win, you, you should be a Super Bowl team, knowing yeah, that they, we, yeah, we, we yeah. was tongue placed firmly in cheek, knowing that on. they sucked. But you know what? They're good no. this year. The leadership was a clown crew. They had oh, yeah. Bozo the Clown running their defense. Right. Um, you know what they do well, though? And I said this the other day. They draft well. Oh, no question. They draft well. And Micah Parsons, they traded back to pick Parsons. Last year, they got Trayvon Diggs in the second round. Trayvon Diggs right now has five interceptions in four games. In four games. People still throwing at him. Isn't that something? (laughs) Yeah. Um, and and they they've got you know what I thought personally they had they had talent on defense last year it was just poorly coached their best pass yeah. rusher is in he's on injured reserve Demarcus Lawrence yep Lawrence yep so um, they cut Jalen Smith so they must feel good about the young linebackers that they drafted Cox etc well they feel great about wait, wait, you know what how high they drafted that kid wasn't that kid a Pro Bowler who Jalen Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, when I they think dra- he made a Pro Bowl. they drafted him, remember after he tore up his knee out of Notre Dame in the second yeah. round, he would have been a top ten pick had he been healthy. Oh, no question. No, and, I thought and he was, he was a Pro Bowler. Yes, he was a Pro Bowler. That's right. And they cut him. We'd have never done that here. Are you kidding me? See, that's the other thing I like about him. 
cut your mistakes. Mm-hmm. If you make something that didn't work out, get rid of it. He, I don't think he's a mistake on the field. He's a mistake in the pocketbook. I'm looking. So, at, well, yeah. yeah, I love it. I'm looking at something right now. Um, just looking mm-hmm. at Dallas's drafts over the last ten years. Yeah, they have drafted a hell of a lot of Pro Bowl talent, man. A hell of a lot. Yeah. I mean, forget yeah. about the the guys now that are going to become Pro Bowlers eventually. P- perhaps yeah. like Parsons and C.D. Lamb and Trayvon Diggs, etc. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. you know, you've got. Vanderesh, you've got Gallup, you've got Williams, you've got yeah. Zeke and Jalen Smith, who was a Pro Bowler, and Dak, who they drafted yeah. in the fourth round, and um, the kid right now who's playing corner, Anthony Brown was a sixth rounder, Zach Martin, all the yeah. off- remember they went like a bunch of years in a row, Teron Smith and Travis Frederick and Zach Mark- Martin, all their yeah, offensive the linemen gone. You're right. Yeah, they and they don't. And they center, the center, the center retired all early. All pro. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, we, we won't talk about Dallas anymore. When we no, come... no, they just know how to select. They've now, been drafting Jerry, well. Yeah, he kills them because he stifles his coaches. Their problem is not personnel, it's coaching. Uh, yeah, I'm not a big Mike McCarthy fan, but I am a big Dan Quinn fan. Oh, who fan. is? Yeah. No, only his family. The, the guy, Outside of his family, who is? The guy that has been given a lot of the credit in Dallas is the guy Will McClay. Who is, for yep. all intents and purposes, I know Stephen has the title, but Will McClay yeah. is really you, you their personnel that. guy. Absolutely. Um, okay. Well, you're an insider, but the average person, but that's why they listen to your podcast. <laughs> people don't realize that. The family guys are all front people. I do think Stephen's better than Jerry. I give him that. Yeah. And I think he's competent. He'll never get the credit for it because his father's an egomaniac. And he's a coach killer because if you don't agree with him, he gets rid of you because it's always about him, not them. But since after the 25-year drought of significant victory, I think by him putting Jimmy in the ring, I think they've gotten him now to get him to back off a little bit so they can actually fulfill their destiny. All right. Uh, We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and talk about Taylor Heineke with Doc Walker right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We 
get to Taylor Heineke with Doc Walker here in a moment. Just a reminder, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't. That really helps us. It doesn't cost you a thing. Rate us and review us, especially on Apple, Spotify, and Google. Give us five stars if you don't mind. Rate us with a uh, review us with a one to two sentence review. That really helps us on the business side of trying to generate revenue for the podcast. And most of you, a lot of you have been doing it, and I really appreciate it. So Doc and I are going to get to to Taylor Heineke in a moment. But um, Doc just said something to me that I didn't know. I was talking this morning on the radio show about some of the things we were talking about yesterday, the attendance being such a problem, even though it's been an enthusiastic home crowd. It's been a very small home crowd, smallest in the NFL. It's amazing, right, Doc? I mean, largest, you know, uh, season ticket base in the NFL 10, 12 years ago to the absolute smallest by a lot. But there's no team in the league that has a more attractive home schedule. Washington has their next home games, the Saints, the Chiefs, the Buccaneers, the Seahawks, and the Cowboys. I mean, you get... You get the Saints followed by Pat Mahomes and the and the be- best show in football, offensive show in football, followed by the defending yeah. champions and the Buccaneers, the Seahawks, and then the Cowboys. And you should be able to get some big crowds, even if it's a lot of the other fans of the other well, teams. Well, but see, that's, that, but that's where you draw the line with me. Well, they can't. Uh, now we're they're going to take money Chargers. from anybody. They're going to take money no, from anybody. No, we're the San Diego Chargers. It was the most humiliated to see the Raiders take over the – SoFi, and that's where we are now, and it hurts me to my heart. But you told me the Chiefs game's the homecoming game? The Chiefs game, yeah. You know, in high school, you always pick the worst team to play for homecoming. You want to secure a win. Right now, from a mark, and listen, the marketing team is brilliant because you put the Chiefs out there and you say money's green. Money's not burgundy and gold or Kansas City uh, uh, Chiefs color. It's green. And I understand that from a marketing standpoint, but anybody my age that lived through RFK and went through it is hurt. It hurts me. I know. It's, me too. It's, 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 it is. I don't. I'm not laughing at this. I'm crying inside. My heart is broken that what we thought was unflappable that would be that way our whole life has changed. And now to get it back, we got to come together. We can't fragment. We have to come together to get it back, or it's gone. Don't forget the Jets won it all in 69. you got, okay? you got to totally have – to get everybody together in the in the numbers you're talking about, it's the team's yeah. responsibility to first provide a product yeah. that's worth following. By the way, do you remember – they don't call it homecoming weekend anymore. I think they call it alumni weekend, right? Remember they got it's away – I think so. Yeah, yeah. because Bruce, the, the first couple of years they called it homecoming <laughs> weekend, and they played it <laughs> – they played the Panthers that one year, and D'Angelo that Williams, the D'Angelo oh Williams, the running back, <laughs> after they came in and beat him, he said, yeah. I, I, I wish I had the sound drop, and I don't. If I find I it, it, you'll see it post-podcast uh, edited. He said, we came yeah. in here, and we saw the program, and it said, homecoming, <laughs> homecoming in the NFL. <laughs> y'all, y'all kidding me? We're the homecoming. That he said, I was pissed. We were pissed, yeah, yeah, and so yeah. I think uh, like after that they decided to call it a, the alumni weekend game, which is better because yeah. you would not schedule the Chiefs for the homecoming game. Um, well, I mean, the marketing department would, 
but the football program <laughs> would like it. Hopefully not. It, it, but it's good. I'm, you know what? They got to do everything they can now because all kids decide. You're hoping to get 43. You're Towson. I mean, you're hoping to get you're Towson. Oh, st- stop. Towson doesn't draw 45,000, do they? No, I'm I'm saying in the, from an NFL standpoint, You're Towson the Chargers the should be humiliated. Mm-hmm. The Chargers have a great product. Towson. And the Raiders just destroyed them at home you're, from a fan standpoint. You're Catholic University. You got D, yeah, right. Exactly. You got D3 crowds. No, in our lifetime, no, you no, and I have I both have never, been I would have stadium. never. I would have said that's impossible. Right. We've done pregame shows outside, and we've had a crowd bigger for our pregame shows than they go end up having for games. I know. It's true. Back in the day. Back in the day. Back in the day. But, so uh, yeah, there, there weren't 40,000, exactly. but we'd have 10,000 sitting around listening to the we pregame show. Sitting around waiting. Three hours before the game waiting on us. Yeah. And let me tell you something. <laughs> and I'm not bragging. I'm sad. As it just kills me. Because a lot of these people are here for money. A lot of us were here for pride. And it meant more to us than it does to the people now that it's all about checks. So, you know, they created the deal. Now you got to fight through it. And all I'm saying is that I want, I, man, I pray that they win. I just, in most cases, don't see how they're going to do it. But it doesn't stop me from wanting to see it done. But the football side of me goes, well, you know, you got to be kidding yourself. Right. Because it's not fundamentally sound. Let's now, special teams, thank God. That return oh, it was in nice 87, to see. 87 with the block. Please let your people know. Once again, another tight end comes in, makes yeah, a play, yeah, ba- and Bates. doesn't get Bates. mentioned. Bates. Yeah, yeah, 87. He missed a block on the uh, on one of the pressures. On I didn't see Heineke. that. I didn't but, see that. Um, Bates had a good block. Okay, I, I want to get to the topic that okay. you and I have been talking about a little bit, you know, off the air. Yeah. And sure. you have you have strong feelings about Taylor Heineke, so share those with everybody. No, I love his competitiveness. He gives me what – I see why the team gravitates to him. I can see it through TV, let alone what it's like to be around him. And – um he makes plays, but he has been the 50-50 guy because whatever he gets you, he gives it away. Last week, because of the Falcons' butterfinger DBs, he got away with it because they dropped two. But you can't give two away every game. But he also gives you two. So why I like him is that he gives you hope. If not, you're hopeless because you're never going to run the ball because you don't believe in it. The offensive line, I think, is doing a hell of a job. Me too. Even though I like to see my tackles getting more help on great edge rushes with tight ends and backs. But then again, that's not my thing. That's their thing. I'm so pleased with them. We lost it. We had a guy who wants $18 million to play guard. We can't get a yard over over the right side. So now he's out. And I love Swipes. Oh, my God. Love this big, nasty, comes off the ball. If we would ever allow our people to be slobber knockers, I think we'd do even better. But that's not going to happen. You really just so took I a shot at Sheriff. You really just took a, a, a swipe at Sheriff. You don't think he's any no, good? No, no, I don't take a swipe. I think he's being underutilized. Underutilized or underperforming? Well, I don't think he's been that bad both. this year. No, he's not. No, no, he's not. But if you want $18 million, 
I should run every time I need a yard. I'm running behind you. Right. You're supposed to be that dominant. Right. That I can guarantee that the right side gets the movement necessary. That's not the case. Okay. And yep. now you're hurt again. So, same old thing. I'm just saying, if you beat your chest, I don't mind it. I love it. But he's not giving the offense that really accentuates what I think he does best. He's a road grader out in the open space. He's a killer. But we don't run that stuff. The things that made him what he is, we don't do. So we're not vertical. We're horizontal. Well, we've so, been we've been vertical with the throw with Heineke. Well, yeah, no, he's made some he's made some plays. But again, it's Russian roulette. So do you, I don't I, I So what yeah, is I, your I just, Give everybody what you think Taylor Heineke is. Is he the quarterback? Is he the answer moving forward? Well, no, it's a week. No, 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 no. It's a week to week thing. He's the best option I think we have as we speak yeah. because we always have to play catch up. We give up so many points. We got to have a guy that's going to attack something because that's all we've got. We're not going to. We're not going to try to establish the line of scrimmage. That's out. So, I love his mobility. I love his competitiveness, but he's reckless, and he gives you two turnovers a game. But if he doesn't do that, and he improves his accuracy, he's the best shot we have because they're not going to play Allen for whatever reason. So hey, I there's something about this guy that I like. Yeah. Long term is one week in this town. There's no such thing as long term. You don't have a program that's built to make decisions about what's long term. It's week to week. And right now, this week, I think he gives us the best chance to try to win if he doesn't self-destruct. I know. You're, you're, you're giving a very logical response and, and one that I agree with. But you know yeah. we've been in the quarterback wilderness for 30 years. And yeah. people want to grasp on to anything. And we've got some people – that really, you know, fans and media members who absolutely are convinced that they just found off the scrap heap last, you know, fall, right. winter, the future right. quarterback of the Washington football team. How can you say future around here? <laughs> what, what is, how long is future? Future's well, two months. Future's, what is future? Yeah, we don't know what this, we don't know what will know what the hell future. I think people say that out of reflex. And most people are gutless. And they want to say, look, Heineke, I'm looking for it. I want to win. I don't care if I think they're the dumbest group in the, in the world. I still want them to win because I get murdered in my personal life and they don't win because of the people I hang around. And so I'm going, he gives us the best chance to win. Do I think that once the bearded one returns, they're going to put him right back in? Yeah, I think they are. I think they are. You and really do. Be, you think when Fitzpatrick's oh, yeah. ready to play that if Heineke continues to have these games, which are more good games than bad by a by a yeah. wide margin at this point, he's had many more he's had one bad game, and that's the Buffalo game. If he continues yeah. to have for every three games he plays, two games in which he gives the team a legitimate chance to win, and one yeah. where they're just overwhelmed. Let's just say they get overwhelmed at Lambeau against Green Bay. You think Ron's right. going to put Fitzpatrick in there when he gets back? Yes, I do. Yes, okay. I do. Yeah, I do. Because if that was the case, he'd have never started him from day one. Tyler hadn't changed. Tyler, he hadn't changed. He's the same guy. 
They've never said, this is our guy. They've said, bearded guy. That's why they brought him in. And so that's the path Heineke's going to have to take, which is no problem. As long as when he gets in, there's something he does that everybody in that locker room is gravitated towards. Read your team. Read your team. This is the guy they want to see play, and they play harder for him or around him. I'm saying, okay, good. Now, but if he does two picks a game, then he'll control his own destiny. He'll be out the league. Oh, he'll, no, he'll be a backup somewhere else. It's never going to work if you give the ball away twice. Or you fumble and throw interceptions. That does not work under anybody's program. Well, so does the bearded guy. That's why he's available. Yeah. So, to me, I said Allen, to me, was my, always been my number one choice of those three of those guys because it's the least likely to sabotage himself. Well, he gave my defense because I thought we were going to win on defense. Yeah. Now that I know that's not going to happen right now, so I switched to the guy with mobility and playmaking abilities. Is there anybody that he reminds you of from the past? Theismann. Well, I say Joe, not to piss Joe off, but Joe was so competitive. Joe made you think there's no way in the hell we're not going to get this done. And that's what I see from Heineke in terms of he ain't giving up on nothing. He's going to fight it through the end, and as they get better around him, now he's only throwing to one guy, and that's the problem. But that one guy is special. If he ever had a running game that would allow him to genuinely become a great play-action guy, it'd be unbelievable. But that's not going to happen. Okay, so I accept it for what it is. I think he's a good play action quarterback. They ran a ton of play action on Sunday, and it, and you know what? You don't have to be able to run the ball to have good. Oh play no, action you're right. No, you don't. You results. don't. Again, no, no. Let me say this. I heard you say it on the air, and I believe you. You're right. You don't have to be good against a crappy team. Right. Against an elite team, they're gonna laugh at you. You can do that crap to Atlanta. Okay, try that against some elite defensive teams that are coming here. And you get your teeth smashed in because they know you're not. They know what you're not going to do. You want to skirt out to the numbers. You want to flare it. And you want to do all that. You're not trying to attack people and hit them in the mouth and run right on them. You don't believe in that. You don't believe in that. So, okay, cool. Heineke, to me, right now, gives you the best chance to win. But he needs reps. He needs to keep playing. And they need to have possessions. Three and, three and out kills your defense. It kills all big people, all defenses. Eight three and outs by their offense. But you get a lot of that here. And that's not good. He gives you hope. He gives you hope. The only thing the guy, and that's what I'm saying. Now, this, our fan base, I mean, I, the guy gave me a Heineken T-shirt at Gary Clark's NFL Experience on Sunday when I was at. Mm-hmm. And uh, I go, I don't wear anybody's shirts that's not winning. Doesn't win. I need championship gear. <laughs> the hell are you giving me this for? And I said, I'll keep it. And when he gets a winning record, I'll wear it. I'll wear it on well, the Well, they're air. 500. That's not winning. See, you, now, see, you become well, a product of the proper As a starter, he's 2-1 and one this year. I know it. And you know what? And that's great. That's what we've been reduced to now. We're taking anything we can that's like oxygen to no, stay not. alive. Yeah, and not. you and I both know that's bull manure. Yeah. Okay? When we play an elite team, you still pat not you. We're still patting our back, selves on the back for playing Tampa. I, I love it how they 
if you in five more years, we'll almost have beaten them in that game. They had over 500 <laughs> in, yards in of ten, total offense. In 10, they, we won the game in 10 years. We won the game. They blocked, oh. they blocked us one-on-one. Their left had, they never, ever had to help on Chase Young. Never in that game. They, and their best defensive player didn't even play. And the rest- if 45 had a play for Tampa, yeah. They, yeah, the tap, the guy, our guy might be dead right now. So, this, this, we, we, we BS ourselves so much selling our own propaganda, and that's the problem. In reality, nobody's afraid of us in this league. Nobody. Forty five's Devin Nobody. White. For Devin White, for those of you that didn't know, um, forty five yeah. is Devin White. Uh, Chris Godwin dropped five balls in that game. They'd had eight hundred yards oh of offense. God. No question. But you no know what? Question. My favorite so far this year has been well we should have won the game against the chargers if we didn't fumble inside the five we yeah, were i know it we were dominated by the chargers look did they set a record and, on third down and they're they the pretty much a 14 yeah. of 18 on third down i've never even heard yeah. of that we were dominated it was the biggest fluke of the year that that wasn't 37 to 15 in that no game. No doubt about it. Um, but no about the it. truth is, we did have a chance to steal it. I mean, it was there to be stolen, but it would have been the all-time steal. By the way, they're a good team. Um, I've got two more. They're excellent. I got, they're I got excellent. two more things before uh, for you before we, we roll with, with Doc here. Yeah. Number one, you think Urban Meyer um, makes it another couple of weeks or survives the season somehow or not? If he wants to. He does whatever he wants to do. Really? In Jacksonville in the NFL? He can do whatever Everywhere. he wants to do in Gainesville or he does Columbus. whatever he wants to do. But he's 0-4. He does whatever he wants to do. Yeah, well, I don't think – one thing about them, that's why you have to see the game. Had I not watched their Thursday night game, I would have thought they were garbage. They're not. They're going to win. And they may win, be good. I love what I saw in the Thursday night game. I agree I can with see you the building about that. I, I, you, could see, you could see something there with them, too. You could too. see it. You um, could see it. Uh, if he doesn't make it, which I, I don't think he will. Um, it would would SC hire him? Absolutely, of course, of course. It'd right? be a perfect match, of course. Yeah, it'd be a perfect. But I tell you, who may hire him before USC is Ohio State. It would not kill. Oh no no no! Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Day is doing a good job there. Yeah, but see, good don't cut it for them. Good, they lost it. They don't see. That's what I'm saying. The door's opening for him, but this is what he does. What he did and allowed himself to get in that position, but that's who he is. That's who he is. Uh, do your Dodgers win tonight in the wild card game with Max on the hill? Yeah, we sure. You know what? I, in a million years, I love Scherzer as you do as well. Um, the Nats thing is, is they gave us a chip. So I'm learning, same thing with the Caps. How do you? How much grace do you give a team that gave you the ultimate? I think it's at least three years. In in this town, it might even be more than that because it had been so. It might be five. Yeah, it might be five. So I'm not I'm not going to overreact to that. Uh, last night with the Sox and the Bombers. Mm. I mean, to me, how about that's how I know America. How about the crowd? Oh man, was oh, that that, god, that America? Oh my god, that See, that's place what was we so juiced. That's what we used to. I have. know. I we know. We had that. We had that. Yeah. We had that. And so we have a we had a legitimate rival in the Cowboys and we had we created big time atmosphere. Mm. We created a, the we created that. We had that. 
that's what kills me. Because when I saw those people and I watched that entire game, and I felt like, man, we've been there. We actually understand what that is and what it saddens me now to the reality. But yet, you know, we got to bounce back. I mean, we just have to find a way. There's no way we can quit. And I encourage people all the time. These people want to quit after games. I go, are you kidding me? The people didn't quit on us in the 70s. I mean, let's face it. We were not the epitome of pro football. I mean, George Allen put us on the map, got us going, got people out there, Lombardi, name, name. But these people loved us despite how we played. There was a genuine well, effect. Uh, the, teams were good the, te- the, the teams were good teams even when they didn't make the playoffs in the 70s. Exactly, then, that's what I'm saying. But, yeah. and they, but they gave us more than we deserved is what I'm saying. Uh, these people loved us before we became dominant. It kills and me. Then, it kills yeah. me too yeah. when I, I, you know, like last night I had the game on and at the beginning and Kara walked in and you know they were doing the intro to the game where they're talking about the yeah. rivalry and she she doesn't she just yeah. not a big sports fan. She said, "So is that hyperbole? Is that exaggeration? Or is it the, one of the best rivalries in sports?" I said, "No, no, no, no. This is this is, is one of the real rivalries in sports. It's one of the real ones. And the in, the atmosphere at Fenway before the first pitch was just oh, off the God. charts and it's unbelievable. And I and but you know we're of that age and you lived it as a player and I lived it as a fan." Yeah where yeah. RFK Stadium was that. And and the entire nation, that? the entire sports nation would tune in because they'd be like, you want to see a rivalry? You want to see an atmosphere? Wait till you see what yeah. Washington's got tonight. But that's so long ago at this point. I feel like, you know, there were years where we I, – I, I don't know, man. It's – they got to they got to build it from scratch because too much of that is gone. It's gone and it's gone forever. Yeah, but we can't quit on. I'm telling you. I'm not you. saying that, but uh, but but they've already had. You had forty five thousand people in the stadium. I know. So I know. people I know. have already quit. I know. You had know. a television audience of like one fourth of what it used to be. I know. I know it. But, but I can't do it. All right. Do I, the Dodgers? The Dodgers win tonight or not? Yeah, and we'll beat him right in front of Al Koken. And Al Koken, we might fly. He might fly into St. Louis for the game. I talked to him yesterday. It's in. It's See, that's in, what we yeah. miss. It's in L.A. I miss. Yeah, because but we miss talking trash because both of our teams were good. I know. We miss being good. We miss being in the conversation. We're irrelevant, and that's the part that kills me. I know. And so I keep hope alive that we can get back because. We got the people. If we don't suck from a personnel standpoint, that's the good news. So that you know, we, before we've just not had talent, or the talent has been overrated, has been good. I like this guys. I like this roster. I mean, I like the roster. We're not maximizing the roster. We have re- we have real we have some. As Cooley we used to say, we got a pl- we got a players on the team. Terry McLaurin is yes. an A player. Oh. Hey, uh, by the way, I hey. think 24 Gibson is really yes. going to be good. I love him. Can you imagine if Joe Gibbs had him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, Logan Thomas, hopefully he's not hurt that badly. Love him. I love McKissick. I like the position. I like, I like <laughs> hey, look, let me tell you what. I like that, I like that room. That tight end room uh-huh. is good. That old line room is, is good. Look. All that Sadiq, you heard about, oh, what, we got this. 
he's not even active, which tells you. I think he's going to be active this week because of the guard maybe. situation. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Sadiq but Charles, I'm just saying, 77. that's depth. Yeah. We got a little depth. We got a little thing going, man. And we got eight and players on defense. Carolina, number two. Let me tell you what two's got to do. Two's got to step up. Deami Brown, yeah. Yeah, step up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not when you got speed, he's got talent. I watched this kid, man, at Carolina, so that's what I'm saying. Step up. We've had people far less talented that have done more in the same space. He got skills, man. Step up. Be nice to because see. Because he's got Cam. I'm still a Cam guy. I'm still an 11 guy. I'd have never let him change his number either. Let me just say that for the record. <laughs> and, uh, hell, you got to oh. do something in a number to change Do you number. remember what his number was last year? 89, I believe. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Because I only know him by numbers. Yeah. Hell, I, why would I remember your name until you win? <laughs> um, they've got eight players, too, talent-wise on defense. And yeah. I think Duran yeah. and John a, a, have played really well at times this year. And, you know, hopefully 99 and 94 90. might have had his best game. 94 has been in the backfield a lot this year. 94 has <laughs> been disruptive as hell. I'm telling you, it's, it's those two, both those big bears inside. And 97 played his butt up. Do you remember Subtle. the third preseason game when I called you? I was infuriated. <laughs> what were you? I we got a rookie not going to play in the third preseason game. 52 didn't play in the third preseason game. Oh, Jamin Davis. And I called you and I said, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and I'm going, did you think that was genius? We got this lingerie training camp and all these walkthroughs and all this crap. That's why I love Baltimore. Pittsburgh, Seattle, New England, the way they approach the game, the way they approach preseason, it don't matter. It's contact sport. You have to play tackle football or at least tackle football. At some point, you have to at least experiment with it. What about the player? And that... I swear to God. What? Go ahead, finish. No, I'm just saying. I'm just so frustrated. Yeah. I get so frustrated when I see people come in and try to act as if They've got a brand new way to do something. It's not necessary. Um, they brought in a kicker yesterday, put him on the uh, uh, on the practice squad. His name's Chris Blewett. You can't make that up. But yeah. I, uh, my feeling is Dustin ain't going Blewett, anywhere. Dustin's not going no, anywhere. Not. They like Well, him. you don't want my opinion on Justin because I think yes, it's I do. arrogant. I, I think it's so arrogant of this team or people to focus in on him if he makes a mistake when he puts in have a bundle of them because his is isolated and you see it. Well, watch the film. Get NFL Rewind. I tell all our people, Patreon, hey, guys, get smarter about the game. Stop treating this like it's your kid's soccer match. Go watch the replay, and then you'll see what we're talking about. You got guys on defense with perfect no-hitters, which means they don't touch anybody. You got linebackers going around blocks. You got all these things going on, and you pissed off at him because he missed the PAT? That means you're not watching the games. There's errors galore. You got receivers running in spaces that there's nobody there. You got all kinds of things going on. But yet if Hawkins misses a PAT, oh, my God, what's going on? Stop it. Just stop it. Quit fronting. <laughs> Quit fronting. 
Uh, we quit front. You're outstanding. These people make more mistakes on a, on a base, and they're paid for perfection. I'm just pointing it out because it's obvious. So I ain't got nothing to say bad about Hop. He just he is a reflection of the entire team, um, and they all need to tighten up. Per usual, um, at Rick Doc Walker on Twitter, um, on fire today here on the podcast. So honored that he had time to hey, do I'm this. Glad Cooley. I hope Chris is okay. Chris is fine. And uh, Chris is coaching. Time, Chris is coaching, as you know. He's really busy. He's not coming on the pod like he used to as much because he's. He's yeah. coaching. Well, he's kind and, of a big thing. Yeah, he's a big thing out in Wyoming. Um, yeah. You can listen to Doc's podcast at patreon.com slash Doc Walker. Yeah. Uh, so go we, do yeah, that. Yeah, Kevin, we're, we're not – this is why I love this secret society we got going. We're not for everybody. If you want to be pantered to and hear a bunch of crap and make excuses, don't waste your time. <laughs> because I don't play that crap. Okay, yeah. we, we, And, again, I'm not a hater. I'm pulling for him. But I don't wear pom poms, okay. And I'm gonna call it straight. There's not a player or a coach that has failed to pick up a check over there every other week. When they start denying checks, and I'll be sympathetic. In the meantime, this is this is supply and demand. Supply and demand. You pick up your check, I expect you to produce. Expect you to do your job. And if they don't have a scheme and all, that's their problem, not mine. I'm, I demand results, and I demand that on Sunday we come out and kick the crap out of the Saints and get a home W. I think they got a shot against they the They do Saints. have a shot. Yeah. Hell, everybody, that's the beauty of the NFL. There is no Vanderbilt. Everybody's got a shot. The Jets won. The Bears won. The worst teams on earth. The worst managed teams. The worst coached teams. Some of them win. So... So right. what? We'll figure it out in the end. All right, I'll talk to you later. Thanks for doing this. All right, man. Appreciate it. Hey, and Chris, get well. Chris, He's, get well. Chris is fine. Okay. He, I, I, he wasn't scheduled no, he, for today. You were happened. scheduled for I, today. You don't have, you were you my, don't have me you on were my priority today. You were my, reason, pri- okay? you my priority. I get it. You were my priority. I get it. No, I wasn't. Yes, you were. I never am. Yeah. But you know what? Before it's over, I'm going to be. Okay. Well, the next time you're on, it'll be time for X's and O's. Burgundy and gold. See ya. Doc, Later, brother. Doc Walker, everybody. <laughs> few more thoughts on Taylor Heineke and a look back 30 years ago today, uh, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. A few things to finish up the show today, but just a, a quick uh, thought on Gilmore. I do think Doc's right. I think that he is going to you know, end up with uh, more of a contender more likely than not. But, man, Washington could really use help at corner. Um, And it's not because, you know, Benjamin St. Juice is down. It's because their corners aren't playing well. Um, Fuller's been a problem. You know, I think Jackson's been close at least, even though he's ended up with a bunch of penalties. Um, They signed Danny Johnson yesterday back to the practice squad or maybe to the main roster. I forget how, though. It's back to the main roster, actually, because you can't sign him off somebody else's practice squad unless you're signing him to your main roster. He won't return kicks. We know that. Um, like he did last year, uh, but they brought they've got him there because more likely than not, if uh, St. Juice is you know um, uh, still banged up, they're not going to want to have Apke as a potential backup corner. They've also got the kid Daryl Roberts, who was the uh, 
uh, player that was in Detroit, I think, last that they picked up. But anyway, um, you know, guys like Gilmore and Jalen Smith, you know, there are reasons why. I mean, look, there's never a reason with New England. They just move on. They don't fuck around with, you know, people who are in contract negotiations coming off major injuries. And, you know, they wished him well and he wished them well. But we've already seen what they, you know, what they're capable of in terms of moving on from really good players. Now, the Jalen Smith thing, to be to be honest with you, was a surprise to me. I didn't realize that he was a true backup this year in Dallas. That was a guy that, you know, had some Pro Bowl seasons and was really sideline to sideline when he was healthy. I think a very impactful player. But they're deep at linebacker, Dallas. You know, they draft. Parsons. They they drafted two other uh, linebackers, in, including uh, Jabril uh, Cox. Um, they signed Keanu Neal, so they feel good about their situation um, in Dallas. Uh, but I, I don't know. You know, I always think about in these situations, like if we had a surprise cut of a player off of our roster because we knew as fans and coaches knew, yeah, kind of best days behind them or not performing as well. And yet other cities or other teams would get super excited about the signing. Like I can't even give you like a really good example right now of a player um, that Washington would move on from that maybe another city would get excited about. But anyway, um, I mean, like if they decided to move on from Brandon Sheriff this year, although Sheriff's a bad example because he's still a really good football player coming off an all-pro season. But I think sometimes the cities and the towns and the teams and the fans and the media of those teams, they know. They know that something ain't completely right, especially when you're talking about Dallas and New England. Now, New England's different. But usually they end up being right more often than wrong on some of these big decisions. All right, I wanted to talk a little bit more about Taylor Heineke because I did sort of a deep dive, if you will, um, a deep dive on a couple of things. And it was prompted by um, a couple of tweets. One, a direct message from my good friend Pauly, which I'll get to in a moment. And the other one was, it was a tweet from... Hold on, I'm getting to it here uh, momentarily. Uh, So um, a guy named uh, Arun Ram on Twitter um, tweeted um, at me yesterday. And I'm I'm, I'm not picking on him because we had a, a nice back and forth afterwards on Twitter. But he said, Kevin Sheehan's very careful to make sure he doesn't commit that Taylor Heineke isn't good so that later he can take credit for saying he always thought he was great. He just walks the right rope so he can claim to be right no matter how it goes um, with Taylor. And, um, and uh, you know, I, that, guy, that, that, that irritated me a little bit because, look, I feel the way I feel right now on him. Um, I don't know. Uh, that's the answer. I, I can't commit to something that I don't have a strong feeling about one way or the other, you know, and I said to him, there are things that I like about him. There are things that I don't like much, much of what I, you know, about him. I just don't have a strong opinion one way or the other because he's only played four and a half games for crying out loud. So I'm not committing one way or the other. I'm not a believer, but I'm not a non-believer either. That's been my position, by the way, essentially from the Tampa game on. Where, by the way, in the four and a half games he's played, I've basically give him, given him an A grade in every single game and lauded and, and complimented him, um, but he didn't play well against Buffalo. 
You know, and don't try to sell me on uh, he was better than I thought he was. No, he wasn't. He wasn't very good in the Buffalo game. It was a bad game. He had some real bad decisions that he didn't get, get away with and then several more that he did get away with. But anyway, every other game, I think he's been very good. But um, the other part of this that really irked me is that, you know, um, essentially uh, I responded to him and, you know, he said, I, I, you know, he said some nice things and he said, I, I just think that, you know, it's time and there's been enough now to go on the record one way or the other. And, you know, he essentially accused me of not being uh, opinionated enough. And as it relates to, the, to this player, no, I don't think there's been enough to commit one way or the other. But my history of this is in most cases to just be, say it the way I feel, which is not most cases, it's all the time. But in the majority of those cases, I usually do have a pretty strong opinion on some of these guys. I mean, I was all in, all in day one on Kirk Cousins. And you all know that before there was even a small sample size. And by the way, the initial sample size wasn't that positive, And I was all in. I was a harsh critic of Colt McCoy when people were actually debating, including Tommy, that he should be the starter. I said, no, I've seen enough. He is a backup quarterback. I was an early out on Alex Smith. Now, I didn't mind the trade. I did not like the extension. Um, at all. Um, I was okay with the trade, but I was very early on in that 2018 season, despite their record, I was not a big fan of the way the offense was functioning or with what Alex Smith was. Um, I was also all in day one before he played a play on Josh Doxon. You know, I'm not, I, I was dead wrong on that. Um, I was all in on Montez Sweat. I was all in on Chase Young. You know, before he played a down and even after a couple of games. So to sort of suggest that I, you know, walk this tightrope until I'm absolutely sure or everybody else is absolutely sure and then I can, it's, it's wrong. It's, it's unfair because more times, many more times than not, I do have a pretty strong opinion one way or the other, even with a small sample size. But I don't with Taylor Heineke. I just don't. You know, I don't have a college career that I've viewed. I don't have a career of him in another place that I've watched him. We've got four and a half games of Taylor Heineke. Now, the next thing I wanted to get to, um, Paulie, who, uh, if you listen to the radio show, you know Paulie's been a longtime caller to the radio show, sent me a note, a direct message on Twitter. And um, Paulie's got, I think, actually a very sharp football opinion. you know, he gets emotional, too emotional at times, but he's got a sharp football opinion. And yesterday um, I, I said, you know, in our, in our show, I said, I think that, you know, Heineke has been given some big windows um, to throw in uh, and that Scott Turner was going to be a huge key and he makes a lot of plays off schedule, yada, 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 in the conversation yesterday about Heineke. But I emphasize that I think Scott Turner is going to be really important for him moving forward because I think he needs bigger windows to throw into. Um, for many reasons, arm strength, which is very average, okay, um, probably below average NFL-wise, um, and because he at times can be inaccurate. You know, I, I haven't said he is 
inaccurate all the time. I've said his accuracy is inconsistent, which I believe it is. So Paulie sent me this note. He said, man, you are so wrong about Heineke. Yes, he's usually inaccurate, but it comes early in games when maybe he's just pumped up. But when he settles down as the game goes on, you know, essentially he's saying he's fine. He also said Turner doesn't have to scheme open receivers. He's connected well with Terry and Deami Brown on slants. He's hit guys in traffic on curl routes. Um, and he doesn't have a lot of off-schedule pass plays. I think you feel that the, I think you feel like that because the plays that have been off-schedule have been big plays, but most of his plays have been from the pocket. So I, you know, I took that very seriously, and I went back and watched the Atlanta game, not the other games. I mean, I have a sense of what the Giant game was more than anything else. The Giant game really was. The Giants saying, we're going to play soft, but we are going to contain you and not let you make plays outside of the pocket. And he proved that he could distribute from the pocket in that game, certainly in that game, against a better defense than the one he faced on Sunday. Anyway, I went back and watched the freaking Atlanta game again for, I don't know how, what, uh, it's like the third time. But this time, I just went through every single one of his pass plays, both on the All-22 and the game tape. So he had in the game like 39 actual dropbacks if you count the two-point conversion play, which, by the way, he was wildly inaccurate on, and it was late in the game. And it's one of those balls where you don't even have to care about accuracy. You just have to give your guy any sort of chance, and he threw it seven feet over the head of the intended receiver. But if you if you looked at all the plays, it was really interesting, and it led me to 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 a, a conclusion, a thought that I had anyway. But it led me to more of a definitive conclusion that I really liked the game that Scott Turner called, and that I think that this is sort of what I'm talking about. That Scott Turner is going to be an integral part of Taylor Heineke's success for the rest of the year. And by the way, I, I feel like it would be the same with Kyle Allen or with Ryan Fitzpatrick because there are a lot of similarities between the three. The biggest difference between the three is that by far and away, Taylor Heineke is the most mobile and the best off schedule. Anyway, um, let me get to a, some of the results from the game on Sunday and why I think Scott Turner called an exceptional game and why I think my point that I was trying to make that Scott Turner is going to be huge for Heineke moving forward was sort of amplified in the game on Sunday. Again, it was a bad defensive team, and they knew they could attack this team, and they knew that this team at times would have a difficult time really playing too close to some of their receivers, including Terry McLaurin. And by the way, they knew that Terry McLaurin would win a lot, which he did. Um, out of the 30, you know, call it 38 dropbacks, um, first of all, let me just say overall, there was just lots of schemed up thought to what Taylor Heineke does well and what he doesn't do well and steering clear of that. I give Scott Turner a lot of credit. Why? Well, out of the 38 dropbacks, not counting the two-point conversion, um, nearly a third of them, 12, were quick game, screens, boots, RPO. Okay, so... He is running some quick game stuff, even if you call that a pocket throw, which it can be. It is a, a quick throw to a back or to Cur uh, Curtis Samuel behind the line of scrimmage. There were multiple screens in the game, and there was more bootleg action where, you know, that's a play-action play, but you've got him play-action and then getting out of the pocket on the move. 
There was multiple of that. And there were a couple of RPOs as well. So that to me is, that fits his game. You know, let's get him into quick game because you know what he does do? And we've talked about this in the past, but I haven't emphasized it enough. He is very good with his processing speed and his decisiveness. You know, it's something we really talked about in the Giant game and even in the Charger game. He's really decisive. He knows what he's seeing. Now, sometimes when he gets off schedule a little bit, sometimes that's where the force throws come. And sometimes when he misses being decisive, it may be the right read in the right place, but he's a little bit high or a little bit late or a little bit inaccurate or uh, doesn't have the arm strength necessarily. If it's against a good team, you could see that a lot against Buffalo. But basically a third of the plays were quick game screens, boots, RPO. Um, Many of the plays were play action. There were 17 called play actions in this game. Play actions out of shotgun, play actions out of under center, um, you know, technically a read option or an, R, uh, an, R, uh, an RPO. There's some play action involved. And in quick game and screens, there, there's some play action involved in the way they run it too because they run a lot of screens out of shotgun. But lots of play action. Boy, this is like a theme, right, across the league most quarterbacks just thrive in play action. And you don't need a running game to get success off of play action. That's been proven now over a long period of time. Those backers hesitate even if you're averaging 1.4 yards per carry on a real good play action fake. By the way, I think he can improve on his play action fakes, just as a side note. But Scott Turner, lots of play action. And that play action resulted in many throws from the pocket with with much more time because it was play action. Um, And, you know, a lot of the other stuff that I talked about, a lot of the screens, boots, uh, quick game um, were off of play action uh, looks, you know, early down play action looks. So that is really a a, a coordinator really getting that if I can play action, especially against the Falcons where we can really attack their secondary and I can get the backers to move up and I can leave big holes behind that first layer of of linebackers, that first line, my guy can throw to guys wide open. And that happened a bunch in this game. And it was caused by really effective play action where Atlanta was, was, you know, sucking up on the play action. Um, a third of his plays, 12 out of the 38, or it's slightly less than a third of the plays were off schedule plays, you know, um, whether he was in the pocket, extending the play, uh, and, and I, I include that because that's one of the things I've talked about. He's also very good at, you know, manipulating the pocket with his feet and, and, and stepping up and sidestepping, et cetera. Um, and then you got a lot of just general off-schedule playmaking, you know, a- almost a third of the time, which is a benefit to him because many of those plays end well. You know, you had five, you know, six total scrambles, one of which turned into a minus one. Um, that was the one sack. It was actually a scramble where he was off schedule trying to make a play and just barely got back, just short of the line of scrimmage. So that was called a sack. He had five scrambles off of, you know, off schedule pressure evading 
contributing, making something happen. And then he had some big plays, you know, um, off schedule. We we know what the touchdown pass was, and we know that the 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 prayer into the end zone for McLaurin was certainly an extension um, off schedule. But he had some really good, you know, extension off schedule plays in this game. And by the way, some of the scheduled where you're getting him out of the pocket on bootleg is also understanding if you can get a defense going one way on the boot and have him come back, he's going to have some people open. So net-net, they did some things Sunday against a weaker defense. I understand that. But they did some things. And when I say they, Scott Turner, I think really schemed up a good game. I didn't feel like they did enough of this against Buffalo. Now, you know, game situation, context, being down 21 nothing early. You know, by the way, in the game, let me also just mention, out of the 38 plays, there were roughly 13 pure dropbacks. So that's where, yes, he's throwing from the pocket. But, you know, in third down situations or second along, you're going to – by the way, they're still running play action on second along. And on some of these dro- uh, dropbacks, they're running play action too. Um, but, you know, I would say a- about a third of the plays were like pure dropbacks, and they were usually third downs, which is what you are going to usually see unless you've got third and short. But I, I, I'm not moving off my thought yesterday, even though I think there were a couple of good points that Paulie made. Um, the net of it is, I think they really schemed up the the game well for him on Sunday, and he delivered. He delivered on that, and it, it, it's the stuff that he does well. You know, get him into the quick game, get him into the boots, get him into those quick screens. By the way, you've got players that can deliver. You know, on quick game and on screens, um, give him a little bit of RPO. You know, because an RPO is a run-blocking play where the run is the first option, pass is the second option. But you only throw the pass if you see a defender way off your receiver. So he can throw that. So some of the slants were a couple of RPOs. A couple of the slants, though, were play-action throws that were tight to Diami and to McLaurin that he made some really good throws on. It's a work in progress, you know, 95% of the quarterbacks in this league need good scheming and good players around them. And he's certainly in that category. Um, But I thought Scott Turner called a really good game on Sunday. I think the defense Sunday with the Saints, and I haven't watched the Saints-Giants game, which I'm going to do, and I want to find out how Daniel Jones threw for 400 yards against that Saint defense. But um, uh, I, I think that, you know, as you face better defensive opponents and you're going to get them in Green Bay and Denver and Tampa, you know, and you know, a lot of the teams that are on the schedule down the road here. Um, but you won't have one against the Chiefs, that for, that's for sure. They stink defensively. By the way, one last thing uh, before I finish up the show with 30 years ago today. I did a poll this morning. Um, You can vote on it if you want at Kevin Sheehan DC on Twitter. Uh, And I just wanted a current opinion from everybody on Taylor Heineke. And I gave three choices. You're all in on Taylor Heineke now and the future. Um, Option number two was you're still not sure. And option number three is no, you figured it out. He's not the answer. And one of the reasons I did this is because I think what happens um, when you get a guy like Taylor Heineke and then the fan base gets very um, sort of passionately and emotionally uh, involved in his performance is if you really have bought into him, 
you create this false narrative that everybody's against him because you want to feel like you're out on a limb. And if you're right, you are the only person that was right. And I just don't feel that that's the case with him. I think a lot of people are either bought in or, like me, aren't sure. I don't think there's a large contingent, and I didn't think this, large contingent of people who are anti-Taylor Heineke. I think that's made up by the people who are absolutely bought in. I just, I, I haven't sensed that personally. And, and you get that all the time. You know, you get the, from, from people who have bought into something and they're, they're putting their foot down saying, I'm going to be right about this. And all of you who are haters, you're going to be proven wrong. Well, it's not always that way. You can feel really strongly about something and you can feel really strongly about something and there may not be great opposition to that feeling. And that's kind of the way I feel with Taylor Heineke. So I put together this poll because I wanted to see if there was like this major anti-Taylor Heineke sentiment. And right now, as I'm looking at the poll, there are 1,800 votes in um, and the number one answer, the majority, 54.6% have said they're still not sure. That's my answer. I'm, I love a lot of the stuff he's doing. Um, I'm not anti-Taylor Heineke. I'm not a non-believer at all. I'm just not a total believer at this point. I'm not sure, as we were just talking about. Um, those that are totally bought in already, it's 29%, 29.3%. So essentially 80% are either all in or they're just not sure, leaving 16% of people that are truly, no, he's not the guy. Come on. It's not Taylor Heineke. So I think my gut on this was right. Those that are trying to create this anti-Taylor Heineke sentiment to make their thought that Taylor Heineke's great seem to be so contrarian, so out there, it's fake. It's just not, it's not real. There are things that really are polarizing and really are split in terms of opinion. My gut on this is, and this is why I did the poll this morning, is that this isn't split. That most people have seen enough to either say, hey, I'm not sure yet, but maybe. Or people are really bought in. I don't think anybody that's being reasonably objective that have watched the four and a half games he's played in could say, oh, no, he stinks. He's not the answer. I, I don't see that. I, I, I don't even see it from a point of, no, nah, I, I don't think he's the answer because, you know, no one else wanted him and he's 28 years old and he makes too many bad throws, but he makes some good plays. But no, 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 he's not the answer. It's It's fake for those that are out there trying to create this idea that this is a very polarizing thing when it comes to Taylor Heineke. It's not. I don't think it is. I, that wasn't what my gut told me, and the poll's backing it up, and the poll is a decent sample size. I mean, there will be close to probably 2,500 to 3,000 votes in this poll when all is said and done. And 80% of the people are going to be in the category of, you know, either all in on him or, you know, hey, I'm not sure yet. And only 16% roughly are going to be like, he's not the answer. That's not polarizing. That's not, oh my God, look at this group of just people who are absolutely anti-Taylor Heineke. They're haters. They're haters. It, it, that, that's not the case with this one. You know, like I said yesterday, there's this, 
I think there's a general agreement from all of us on Taylor Heineke about some things that he's really impressive with. You know, that he's he's a gamer. We kind of all agree on that. He's really mobile. He really can extend plays. You know, there's some things that have been pretty obvious even in four and a half games that we all agree on. If he didn't have those things and he only had a couple of the results and he got the results in different ways that weren't overly impressive, maybe maybe there'd be a polarizing view. Uh, Taylor Heineke's not polarizing right now. I mean, you know, 84% of the vote here is, hey, he's either, you know, I'm all in or I'm not sure, but something's intriguing about this. Anyway. All right, last thing to finish up the show. 1991, um, 30 years ago, our Wednesday look back to the greatest team in Washington football team history, the 1991 Washington football team. We've been going week by week 30 years ago this week. Uh, last week, uh, we did the Philadelphia game that got them to 5-0 and on a Monday night. Well, the next trip was Sunday, October 6th, exactly 30 years ago to the day they went to Soldier Field to face the Chicago Bears. You know, a team that they had a running rivalry with because they had, you know, they were always finishing first place or in the same place in the division. So they were always playing each other. You know, they had played each other in the regular season in 1990, and it was a 10 9 game uh, at home. The year before that, in 89, they played, and the Bears came in here and walloped the Skins 38 14. They played in two playoff games at Soldier Field, and Washington won both of those games. Um, they were playing the Bears virtually every year in the regular season or the playoffs going all the way back to 1984. So there was this rivalry, you know, between all of these great NFC teams of the 80s, you know, Washington, Dallas, the Giants, and the Eagles in the NFC East, the Bears, specifically the Bears, the Vikings to a lesser extent in the NFC at that time Central, and then the 49ers in the NFC West and and the Rams to a lesser extent. But, you know, Washington was playing San Francisco and Chicago almost every year, it seemed like, during that era. Anyway, uh, 30 years ago today, they were going to Chicago. Um, They were one of three undefeated teams at the time. The others were Buffalo and New Orleans at the time. Washington's playing Chicago, 1 o'clock game Soldier Field uh, that particular day. The Bears were 4-1 and uh, heading into the game. Washington was a mere three-point favorite against uh, against Jim Harbaugh, who was the quarterback. They had Neil Anderson, remember number 35, really good running back. Um, had a really solid defense. Washington, again, 5-0. and Chicago, 4-1. and Big-time game. Summerall and Madden on the call. Um, and Washington went into Chicago. They took a 10-0 lead. And what I'm going to play for you is the Chris Berman, Tom Jackson, Sunday night ESPN recap show. Uh, There was no live play-by-play that I could find on this particular game. But we'll pick it up with Berman narrating the highlight of the game um, that picks up with the score being 10-0 and Chicago driving in the second half. The Bears bleeding for a victory. Harbaugh. Deron Morris at the 40. 
Goes all the way down to the 29-yard line. Add five more after a penalty at the 40-yard pickup on second and seven. Harbaugh on the flat to James Thornton, 13 yards. And to cap it off, how many times have we seen this? He's able to leap tall buildings with a single bound. As Neil Anderson, it's 10-7. The Skins lead down to three. Every team has a go-to guy. The Skins have a few, but Arthur Monk, over the years, is as good as they get. Yeah, you watch Monk go in motion. The tight end runs a check through. Ricky Sanders clears the zone for him, and Monk will make that catch 99 times out of 100. In the fourth quarter on fourth and four, big play here. Rippin' to Monk. And he is hammered out at the 18 to pick up a first down. On the same drive, third and goal, Rippin'. Still looking. Here's the play on third and goal, Rippin' to the corner. And Arthur Monk has done it all by his lonesome, just about the skins lead at 17-7. Monk lines up inside. Gets three Chicago defenders, beats them to the outside. Six catches for 69 yards for Mr. Monk and a pair of touchdowns. In the end, the Skins defense, Matt Millen and company, handle the Bears. Deflection by Eric Williams, intercepted by Fred Stokes. And with big pressure, a classic case of putting it up for grabs. Govea picks it off. He goes away with the football. Jim Harbaugh has had some good games this year. Today wasn't one of his stellar performances. Three INTs as the Skins up their mark to 6-0 with the Bills not playing until Monday night. And the Saints idle. The Skins the only 6-0 team in football. They beat the Bears 20-7. And you can see that they have outscored their opponents in those six games by uh, over 120 points. 20 to 7. They were 6 and 0. They were on a roll. Their defense in 4 of the 6 games had either shut out the team or held in this case Chicago to 7. Uh and the following week, uh they would really start to kick into high gear offensively as they would welcome the Cleveland Browns to RFK Stadium. The 1991 Cleveland Browns coached by Bill Belichick. They still had Kozar. They still had Kevin Mack. They still had some of their receivers like Webster Slaughter and some of those guys that had been on some of their really good teams. It was another matchup between one of their former great players, Ernest Biner, against his former team, just like Wilbur Marshall against the Bears um, in the game that we just uh, talked about. Um, but Washington was off to uh, a big start, and Cleveland would be their next opponent the following week at RFK Stadium. So that's the game we'll do next week. Um, but anyway, 30 years ago to today, a win over, you know, at that time, sort of a rival in the Chicago Bears. All right, enjoy the rest of the day, evening, tomorrow morning. Back tomorrow with Tommy.